This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Hey, welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for inspiration and transformation as we try and keep it together while parenting our tweens and teens. This is real work, people. And when we can focus on our own growth and nurturing the connection with our kids, we can move through the turbulence in a way that allows for relationships to remain intact. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am your fearless host. I'm a positive discipline trainer, space holder coach, and the adolescent lead at Sproutable. I am also the mama to a 20-year-old daughter and 17-year-old son walking right beside you on this path of raising our kids with positive discipline and conscious parenting. This show is meant to be a resource to you, and I work really hard to keep it real, transparent, and authentic so that you feel seen and supported. Today is an interview, and I have no doubt that what you hear will be useful to you. Please don't forget, sharing truly is caring. If you love today's show, please pass the link around, snap a screenshot, post it on your socials, or text it to your friends. Together, we can make an even bigger impact on families all around the globe. I'm so glad that you're here. Enjoy the show. Hi, listeners. I am really excited to introduce my guest today, Anne Garcia is a fee-only fiduciary advisor and go-to expert on paying for college. She is the author of the critically acclaimed How to Pay for College book and a sought-after media guest who's been quoted in the New York Times, The Oregonian, and U.S. News and World Report, to name a few. Anne recently launched an interactive online course, yay, to help parents understand, plan for, and minimize college costs. As a parent whose twins will graduate from college this year, Anne's expertise expands beyond FAFSAs and 529s. She understands the emotional components of helping your child set and achieve goals for their future. Outside of financial planning, Anne is an avid runner, skier, and fan of middle school rock concerts. I'm so excited to have Anne on the podcast. It's so real and relevant for me right now with my junior thinking about applying for college in the fall, my older kiddo starting at community college just this quarter. So happy that you're here and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And we were chatting away before I hit record and finally I listeners had to say, you know what, let me hit record so we can talk about this for everyone to hear. Just talking about all the things to think about as our kids. And I want to say a caveat at the start too. Not all kids are college bound and there's lots of paths as you know, my listeners know. I have my oldest who got her GED and went to trade school and now is coming around to wanting to do an ultrasound tech program. We'll see where she takes that. There's lots of pathways to success. Today, we are talking specifically about the road to college for our kids that that's a good fit for. So having said that, yeah, it feels like, especially now that I'm kind of feeling pressed up against the wall of it, I'm definitely noticing those places where I kind of want to put my fingers in my ears and be like, la la la, I don't need to understand this. 
This feels too overwhelming. And one of those places is the cost of college. So before we get there, how did you get into this work of supporting people around college planning and paying for college? How did you get here? Well, as a financial advisor and as a parent, that was sort of a natural intersection. But I would say more specifically, as an advisor, I found myself talking a lot to two different groups of people. One was young adults who had taken on so much student loan debt to get their educations that they were struggling with the basic financial building blocks of their adult life, you know, whether it's saving for retirement, buying a home, in some cases, even having emergency savings. And another group I was talking to were parents who were struggling to figure out how to understand and plan for the cost of college. And I sort of felt like if I could help that second group, those parents, I might see less of that first group. Mm. And again, as a parent of two myself, I knew that this was something I needed to understand as well. And so it's something that I've just dug into over time. I found I was answering the same questions again and again and again in my practice. So I started writing the answers down. And one year I made a New Year's resolution to start writing a blog with all these FAQs that I had developed over time, just on the thinking that more people had these questions than were walking in the door of my firm. And there was a larger audience that I could serve that way. And so I've been writing this blog for at least a decade now. I looked up an old post. It was from 2014. I was like, yeah, how did that happen? Yeah. (laughs) And then when the pandemic came, I, like many other people, had a little extra free time on my hands. And coincidentally, an opportunity came up to write a book. And so How to Pay for College, the book was born. Yes. Well, and what I appreciate and, you know, I'm kind of holding is twins moving through the college process with two kids at the same time. You know, you being an expert through training and education and also through experience, I think is something that makes your work so easy to lean into for someone like me who's like, I need it to be practical. I need you to speak to me in a way that I understand. I'm not a financial planner, accountant person. So sometimes the conversation can feel out of my realm, but your work really speaks to like the average parent who's just trying to figure things out. Why is college so expensive, Anne? <laughs> why Why is it so expensive? Although I will say that as a caveat. So like I said, I've got my daughters in community college here in Bellingham where we live. And I'm also looking ahead at my son, Ian, who wants to go to a four-year college out of state. He's declared that for sure. And the difference in the cost of the community college experience versus the you know, big four-year college experience is unreal, right? It's such a difference. So why is it that college is so expensive? Well, so I would say a couple of things. First and foremost, college is available at every price point. So yes, there are the $85,000, $90,000 a year private colleges. My son has a good friend who just graduated for college having paid $0 for a four-year degree. She did free community college in her state for two years. And then she worked for Starbucks and Starbucks has a tuition partnership program with Arizona State's online program. And so she finished up there and she literally paid exactly $0 for college. So college is available at a lot of different price points. As far as why college is so expensive, we could talk about issues like you know, declining state funding for higher ed. You know, higher ed is the one service that a state provides that there's an alternate payer to cover Mm -hmm. that cost. We could talk about, you know, fancy dorms, lazy rivers, (laughs) (laughs) you know, all of those fine things. We could talk about increasing college enrollment, requiring colleges to invest in new facilities, you know, additional dorms, additional classrooms, Mm -hmm. additional professors. We could talk about administrative salaries. So there are lots of those things. What I think is really important for us to talk about is the reason that college costs so much is that lots of people pay it. So if you are 
let's say the provost of Stanford and you charged $85,000 for tuition last year and you turned away 10,000 people who were willing to pay that, would you charge $75,000 next year? Mm -hmm. Probably not. Mm -hmm. The good news is that although those headline prices have gone through the roof and have far outpaced inflation for a long time, you know, for many decades, the net price of college really hasn't gone up since the financial crisis of 2008, 2009. So the net price is the amount we actually pay as parents or as students. Tuition is discounted heavily at most colleges. You know, we let the Stanfords and Harvards of the world sort of control the college narrative of, you know, colleges is this really exclusive and expensive thing, and you should be grateful to be given the opportunity to go here. But the vast majority of colleges are actively trying to recruit and enroll students. And their number one means of doing that is by discounting their tuition. And so if you, as a parent, say, here's my college budget for my child, you will find lots and lots of good options for them. You know, there's no other large purchase that we make as people where we don't consider our budget. You know, when we buy a car, we think about how much we can afford for either a monthly payment or to pay it. When we buy a house, the mortgage company tells us how much mortgage we can have. The sad thing about college is that nobody puts any limit on it. You know, you can borrow up to the full cost of attendance at any college, but the better path to go down is to figure out what can my family afford? How can we support our student, and how can we guide them to good choices that fall within those parameters? Because those good choices are out there. Your book has so many, I mean, it's just, we couldn't possibly cover everything in your book. There's so many good resources mindsets, things that I think we, when we're not actively researching all of this, like even you just saying that colleges discount tuition, I'm like, they do? What does that look like? What do you mean? You know, when I think about scholarships, not having a super, you know, high achieving student, like part of me kind of writes off the idea that there's a scholarship for my kid, right? Or my kids. And so educating ourselves and i'm like actively talking to myself right now like educating ourselves on all the ways that we can make this work is so powerful i think something that's also really important and i didn't get to it i think you kind of highlight this in your book but you know i think we're doing a disservice to ourselves and our kids when we say you can go anywhere you want mm-hmm. right like you get in we'll make it work you know, talk a little bit about that and about having conversations with our kids about the college budget. And I think, you know, part of that is, I think, for all of us as parents to get over the idea that somehow we've failed if we can't make the Stanford or the Harvard work, if our kids have worked hard enough to get into those schools, right? Right. So how do we have conversations with our kids as we begin this process of, you know, what can work for our family? Yeah. Well, I'm going to start by giving parents permission to not pursue the most expensive colleges. And here's something I'm going to tell you. There was a survey done a few years ago called the Purdue Gallup poll, where they surveyed adults who were successful in life. And what they wanted to do was find out what about their college experience made them successful as adults. And what they found is it had nothing to do with which college they went to. It wasn't about you know, people who went to private schools versus public schools, people who went in urban areas versus not urban areas, people who went to elite schools versus schools that accept a lot of students. What it came down to was having some specific experiences as a college student. And those were things like feeling like professors cared about them, finding mentors on campus, having the opportunity to apply classroom learning to an internship or job experience. It was participating in extracurriculars. So it was a body of experiences that are available at every single college campus in the country. So you are not limiting your child's opportunities by limiting the choice of colleges that they can apply to. I will also say my personal experience, I have twins. They are extraordinarily different students 
my daughter is at one of those less than 10% admit rate private colleges. My son is at a public college that admits about three quarters of applicants. Yeah, which I'm really glad about because that's where Ian wants to go. So yay for this college. (laughs) (laughs) And it's been a great, great fit for him and a great, great choice for him. They are graduating this year. He graduated last weekend. She graduates in a couple of weeks and they have virtually identical job offers. So they will start jobs with the same salary, the same type of program, the same type of company this fall. But, you know, to get back to your actual question, how do you have these conversations? How do you think about this? I think the most important thing for us as parents is to shift our thinking away from which college do I want my student to go to, to why do I want them to go to college in the first place? Because again, that adulthood that you want for them is available through a lot of different means at a lot of different price points. Mm-hmm. Talking to kids about money is awful, right? It's at least as awkward as talking with them about sex, but it's of a similar level of importance <laughs> Yeah, in doing so. I think when it comes to college, it's really important to have those conversations from the perspective of goals, as opposed to from the perspective of constraints. And it's also important to be age appropriate. So, you know, your kindergartner, you're not going to say, we're not going to Hawaii because we're saving for college. <laughs> you know, good conversations to have with very young kids are talking about experiences you had in college, just sort of introducing the notion of college mm-hmm. as something that informed your life, made your life better. You know, that's an opportunity that you would like to make available to them. You know, when your kids start getting into middle school, that's a great time to start talking about the fact that maybe you've been saving for their college education because it's important to you. It's also a good time to start talking about the costs of different colleges. And there will be opportunities to bring that up almost always. You know, your kids will have friends who have older siblings who are starting to look at colleges, which is a great intro into doing that. They may go on school field trips where they go to a college. So, Lots of opportunities to sort of introduce the notion that college costs money and that it's something that you are dedicating family resources towards. Hey, so I'm so excited. I want to share with you about one of our new sponsors, Starglow Media. They have this amazing show for all of you with younger kids called Mysteries About True Histories. Every episode, follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers and on adventures through time packed with puzzles and hidden equations, histories, and laughs. You all know Alana, our co-founder at Sproutable. She listened to the show with her seven-year-old and loved it. They would pause the show and try to figure out the math problems together, loved learning about different cultures and the histories around the world. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and so much more. Math is geared Math is what they call it. Math is geared towards kids six and over, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. Episodes drop every Thursday, and they're about 15 minutes, perfect length for the car rides, mealtime, break time, bedtime. Each episode is stacked with so much laughter, and your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories math with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Hey, everybody. Listen, I'm so excited to give you an update on Songfinch. Songfinch delivers. I shared last month that I was going to have them create an original song for Ian, my graduating senior. Well, the song is done and the process of co-creating it with the artist on Songfinch was so cool. I got to provide details and ideas. And then the musician of my choice wrote up the lyrics, put it to the music that I picked. And the results are so cool. I can't wait to surprise Ian with it. I will be sure to record it and share it with all of you. Songfinch is an innovative service that lets you create an original radio quality song inspired by your own life and the people you love. It's completely unique, personal, and it lasts forever. After moving through their process, you get the final results 
in four to seven days. For a limited time, Songfinch is letting our listeners upload their song to Spotify for free. So you and the lucky person you gift it to can listen to it anywhere, anytime. Whether your song is for Father's Day, an upcoming graduation, wedding, or anniversary, or even just a gift to show your loved one how much you care. Start your song now to lock in one of Songfinch's top artists. Go to songfinch.com slash joyful and start your song. After you purchase, you'll be prompted to add Spotify streaming for your original song for free, which is a $50 value. Again, my URL is songfinch.com slash joyful. Don't forget to share your song with us too. songfinch.com slash joyful. When kids get to high school, that's a really good time to start actually talking dollars. And again, doing it from the perspective of goals versus constraints will help, you know, empower your child in their college search process. So for example, it's very important to us that you graduate from college debt-free and we have saved enough so that you could do that through our state's public college system. You can probably find other colleges that will work within that budget and we will absolutely support you in that journey is one way to have that be a goals-based conversation. You know, our goal is that you don't have to take out more than the direct student loan. Our goal is that you have a great college experience. Mm -hmm. But all big purchases that we make come with some constraints. The good news is too, you know, for every college offers scholarships. And there is a scholarship for every student. There is? There is. (laughs) Even the (laughs) mid-students? Even the mid-students will find scholarships at some college. There are lots of scholarships that aren't about grades. So let's talk about scholarships. Well, before we go into scholarships, I want to just highlight something that I loved that you just said, which is, here's what we've done. We've been able to save budget for four years of college inside of this container, which might be like in-state tuition or whatever. I'm thinking about my kids and talking to them about, you know, we're going to be able to cover tuition room and board. Extra stuff is going to look like you having a part-time job through this, you know, but I love that come from that goal-oriented place. And I also know, having been a young person with no concept of money, that curious to your thoughts on like, if you want a different experience and want to look into loans, and we're going to talk about scholarships too, like how to also keep our kids' feet on the ground because at 18 thinking, oh, I'll have a $30,000 debt, but whatever, I'll just pay that off. It's not a big (laughs) deal without realizing like, oh, it's actually a really big deal and super annoying and can really get you into some trouble depending on, you know, life choices that you make post-college, how can we, and I'm guessing there's an in with this goal-oriented conversation too, to help them see into the future and have the perspective of a 49-year-old mother. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, especially because if you tell your middle schooler, you know, we're saving $100 a month for your college, they're like, their mind is blown. That's like, An incredible sum of money. And then you're like, but it's going to be this much. (laughs) Right. Meanwhile, I'm like, damn it. We should have been spending like $500, saving so much more every month. But okay. Yes. Yes. So I would say several things about student loans specifically. One is if you just read the news about student loans, you would think they are a one-way ticket to the poor house. Yeah, for sure. I think if taking out the direct student loan, which is the federal student loan that undergraduates can take out, is the difference between going to college and not going to college or going to a college that's a perfect fit for you where you're going to graduate in four years versus going to one that is going to be hard for you to engage at and might result in you transferring and losing financial aid and taking five or six years or not even graduating at all. The federal direct student loan is a great investment in your education. So I would say, number one, if you're looking at loans, you know that's where you need to look at your borrowing. There's a cap each year on how much a student can borrow. It's $5,500 the first year. 6500 the second year, 7500 the last two years. A student who takes out the maximum loan will graduate with a balance somewhere between twenty eight dollars and $30,000, depending on interest rates, because the interest will accrue on the loans. 
Mm-hmm. And that translates to a monthly payment of about $325 for 10 years, Oh, which is more than supported by the additional earnings that a college graduate commands in the marketplace. Thank you. Thank you for breaking that down, actually. I feel calmer having heard that breakdown. Okay, carry on. <laughs> so that is a very reasonable amount to borrow. But I think when you present that $325 a month for 10 years to an 18-year-old, that already might seem like a big amount of money. Mm-hmm. My book, How to Pay for College, has a worksheet at the end of every chapter. One of them is about your annual shortfall at a given college. And they're all downloadable. So you don't have to like, <laughs> you know, pencil them in tiny and do a bunch of math yourself. And one of them shows what your shortfall would be and what that translates to as far as a loan payment going forward after you graduate. So, you know, to take that information back to your kid, because yeah, like you said, it's easy for an 18 year old who has made most of their money cutting lawns or babysitting to be like, $60,000. Well, that's, you know, the average college graduate makes $60,000. So if I borrowed $100,000, I could pay it off in a year and a half. (laughs) Yeah. And not see any. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I was not seeing any gaps in the logic there (laughs) because they're 18. (laughs) Right. Right. But if you can take it and break it down and say every month for 10 years or for 20 years or for 25 years or for 30 years, this is what you would be paying to try to retire this debt. What are all the things that you would not be doing because of that debt? There's tons of research done on millennials who are now, you know, in adulthood, you know, who still are paying student loans. Very few of them say that it was worth borrowing the amount they did to go to the college that Mm -hmm. they did. And unfortunately, 18-year-olds are allowed to borrow a decent chunk of money. Now, the other thing for parents to think about is, Students can take out the federal direct student loan with no co-signer. Private student loans, parent plus loans, any of the other types of loans would require you to co-sign. And that means that you are equally liable for that debt, as are they. So it's not just their future you're protecting by Mm -hmm. preventing them from going down that path. It's your own. Yeah. So now let's talk about scholarships. Yeah. Right. So where's the free money? Where's the free money? The free money is in lots of places. Scholarships basically break down into three categories. There is need-based aid, which is primarily institutional, but there are limited federal dollars available there. There are merit scholarships that are offered by the college. So institutional need, institutional merit, those are the scholarships that come from the college, and that's where the big money is. The third type of scholarships is what's called outside scholarships. And those are scholarships that are offered by anybody other than the college. So they're offered by Rotary. They're offered by local civic organizations. There are national scholarships. There's national merit. There's all kinds of different scholarships that fall under that heading. Those tend to be smaller than the institutional grants because the institutional grants and scholarships are the money that the college is using to try to attract and enroll students. So they're a business and their business is enrolling students. Mm -hmm. (laughs) To qualify for need-based aid, your expected family contribution or student aid index, as it'll be called going forward, has to be lower than the cost of attendance. Now, your expected family contribution or student aid index is calculated by two forms. One is the FAFSA, which is the federal student aid application. All students file that because that's what gives you access to student loans, to Pell Grants, to work study, basically any of the federal dollars, which tend to be included in institutional aid packages. I'm going to pause you really quick on FAFSA. I have a really good friend who's got a daughter in, we call it fucking FAFSA, because she said, what do I got to do? Do I got to flash my boobs to these people? Like, You know, like those of us that are middle class, but not, you know, swimming in the cash, but also in a place that looks from the outside and through these organizations and these forms, like we have enough. Can we talk about FAFSA? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think too, you know, we both live on the coast Mm -hmm. (laughs) where the, you know, cost of living is higher and incomes are higher. And the FAFSA is largely based on income. Yeah. 
And so those of us on the coasts and in high cost of living areas are penalized in the federal formula. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it is. You know, someone who makes $150,000 in Seattle does not have the lifestyle of someone who makes $150,000 in Kansas City. Right. And those are the realities of our world. Right. Yeah. So the FAFSA, you know, your expected family contribution or student aid index is largely based on your income. Okay. Your assets are a small piece of it, but it's really based on your income. And depending on your income level, anywhere from like a quarter to a third of your income could be considered the amount that you are able to pay for college on an annual basis. Now, in the old days before this year, the FAFSA would divide your expected family contribution by the number of college students in your family. Going forward, it won't. However, colleges at their discretion may continue to include that in their calculation. Mm -hmm. The other financial aid form is the CSS profile, and that is used by about 400 private colleges. It asks for a wider range of information than does the FAFSA. Mm -hmm. It asks about your home equity and colleges can add their own questions. My daughter applied to private colleges and most of them required the profile and they all had you know, weird extra questions, you know, what cars do we drive? Do we own them or lease them? (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, how much money did we spend on getting our kids summer jobs? I'm like, do we have to put the gas that they spend? (laughs) You know, do the kids have a car? All kinds of things like that. The profile will continue to consider how many kids you have in college. So regardless of your income, whether you feel wealthy or not wealthy, your expected family contribution or student aid index, as it'll be called going forward, is going to be a number that is uncomfortable to you, I think. Yeah, great. And if it's not lower than the cost of attendance, you will not get need-based financial aid at at any college. Now, okay. here's the thing. A lot of people go, oh, look, my expected family contribution is really low, so college is going to be cheap for me. If you are eligible for need-based aid, you have to apply to colleges that offer need-based aid. They don't all do that. So in particular, if you're looking at out-of-state public schools, they will not offer you need-based financial aid. Many private colleges do, but not all. Mm -hmm. So the good news is for those who are not eligible for need-based financial aid, there's this other gigantic pool of money called institutional merit aid. And that is money that colleges use to attract students they want to enroll. Now, we tend to think of student-athletes but it's really the mathletes who clean up in the merit awards. You know, colleges want to bring in students with good grades and good test scores. But there are lots of other criteria that colleges can use to award merit scholarships. So a woman I know who's an admissions counselor, she talks about assembling a freshman class at a college is is like putting together a band or a football team, right? Mm -hmm. You can't have all quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You need some offensive line people, you know, in a band, you can't have all guitar players, you know, you need a bass, you need guitars, you need singers, you need a woodwind section. Yeah. So oftentimes colleges are just looking for students who, you know, aren't part of the cohort. You may be applying, for example, to a small out-of-state liberal arts college And you could be one of very few students from your state who's applying there. That school may love to be able to tell people, which I can tell you from visiting colleges, they love to say this. We have students from all 50 states. Mm -hmm. If you're that student, they want you to enroll. You know, so there could be scholarships available for that. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God. Spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 
35 different meal choices and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. I took my niece to visit colleges And one of the colleges that we went to, someone asked as part of the admissions tour, when we were meeting with the admissions director, you know, who gets in? How do you decide who you like? She said, how do you stand out as an applicant? Right. And of course, great question. This answer depends largely on the college, right? Because every college has a different applicant pool. But he said, the things that a lot of students do to stand out don't necessarily stand out. Like, Collecting eyeglasses to send to developing countries is a fabulous thing to do. It doesn't stand out in our applicant pool. Again, this was a small private college. You know, running your own lawn care service, likewise, great thing to do. Hundreds of our applicants every year do that. He said, last year, we had one student who had worked full-time all summer at McDonald's to save money for college. So that stood out. Mm -hmm. You know, I sort of always jokingly said, you know, when my kids were growing up, because we did normal stuff, you know, we did not do extra tutoring after school or any of that stuff. I feel like so many people are trying to be exceptional that maybe normal is becoming the new exceptional. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's what I'm listening to. I'm like, what about the kids that get like decent grades and they play a sport, but they're not, you know, winning any awards and not like volunteering like a mad person in the community and just kind of living their life. Mm -hmm. Like, do these kids have any hope for merit scholarships and acceptance to college? They do. It's just a matter of, you know, finding the colleges that offer it or finding the pathways that reduce their cost of college. So for example, here in Oregon, which is consistent with many states around the country, we have um, dual enrollment programs at all of our four-year college. And in a dual enrollment program, you are duly enrolled in the community college that's Mm -hmm. adjacent to the four-year college and the four-year college. You do your first two years of classes at the community college. You can live on college, participate fully in the student life of the four-year college. But for your first two years, you're paying community college tuition, which we also offer free community college. So that's two free years of college. And then you automatically, for your junior year, are enrolled in the four-year college. Oh, wow. Well, who else does that? Where else is there free community college? Oregon? Lots of states offer it. Does Washington and I just am unaware? I think so. <laughs> Although Washington paying for really, community college. Washington does a bit, you know, the running start program where you do the community college. Yeah. My son is actually doing running start as part yeah. of, yeah. Yeah. Maybe and, that's and, what's making him exceptional. Go in. And many states offer that as well. The important thing, you know, as you accrue college credits as a high school student. So there's two really important things. One is 
apply to colleges that will give you credit Mm -hmm. for those classes. Not all colleges do that. And so if you are taking those colleges, whether it's you know, dual credit programs like Running Start, where you're taking community college courses as a junior and senior in high school, whether you're doing AP or IB classes, however it is that you're accumulating college credits, if the goal of doing so is to graduate from college in less than four years, make sure that you apply to colleges that will give you credit for those courses Mm -hmm. because they don't all do that. Yeah. The other thing that's really important for students who come out of high school with a lot of college credits, a lot of them are like, I have sophomore standing or I'm a junior. So I'm applying as a sophomore, as a junior. Don't do that. Apply as a freshman because there are lots and lots more scholarships available to incoming freshmen than there are to transfer students. And you don't want to lose out on potential scholarships because you're claiming to be a sophomore or a junior when in the college's eyes, regardless of how many college credits you have, you are a first-time college enrollee and you Mm -hmm. are a freshman and you are eligible for the whole scholarship pool that's available to college freshmen. Speaking of that, something I highly recommend for parents of younger students like high school freshmen or middle school students is look at your state's public school websites to see what scholarships they offer automatically. Most public schools have automatic scholarships where if you have this GPA and maybe a test score is required, you know, this combination, you automatically get this many dollars. That is great information to have when you're a freshman in high school. It's much less helpful when you're a junior because there's a lot more that a freshman can do (laughs) to change their GPA than that a junior can do at that point. And virtually every public school has automatic scholarships Okay, that they give based on grades. That's good to know too. Where do we go to find all of this? Your website? <laughs> like, how do we figure <laughs> all this out? Like, I'm listening to you and I'm like, yeah, okay. And then I'm thinking like, yeah, but I got to go to the grocery store today and I got to record another podcast. Like, it starts to feel like, you know, and it doesn't just exist inside of this whole college thing. I mean, there's lots of things in our life that we're navigating that feel like I could research this if I had time. Yeah. Are there places to go that kind of have like brought all of this information? Well, I'm sitting here at my desk with your book. (laughs) So a couple of things. One is as parents with kids, our lives are in triage mode all the time, right? (laughs) And so give yourself permission to not do everything. Okay. On the other hand, you know, with college, and I don't say this like, sorry, Casey, your kid's a senior. Yeah, <laughs> you know? you're screwed. But the <laughs> earlier you start doing all this stuff, the less stuff you're cramming into senior year. So mm-hmm. if you're listening to this and it is the spring or summer of 2023, you can start now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But a couple of resources. One, my website, howtopayforcollege.com has loads of resources that'll point you in all these different directions. Two is my book. And part of the way that I designed my book was for exactly that reason. You know, I'm the first person to say, I'll read a book and be like, oh my gosh, so much great information. I have so many things to do and I'll set it aside. And six years later, I'm like, oh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I needed to do that five years ago. So in my book, there's a worksheet at the end of every chapter that helps you to try to keep the project, you know, moving forward and actually do the things that we know that you need to do so that it's broken down into discrete chunks. But let's talk about some external resources that are available to help you with this. A great website for researching colleges is College Data, and it's just collegedata.com. If you want to look for college costs, that it's a great starting point. So if you know colleges that your student is interested in, you type the college name in, you go to that college's financials tab in the information that it has, and it will tell you, among other things, you know, what the list price is, which financial aid forms they use, you know, is it FAFSA or CSS profile? Because depending on your family, one or the other might be more advantageous to you. And there's a chapter in my book about that. And then it also tells you what types of scholarships they give and how much. So for example, for students who had demonstrated financial need, what percent of their financial need was met? So, you know, if you are a student who had 
you know, $30,000 of financial need, if 100% of need is met, then that means you got scholarships for $30,000. If a school meets on average 50% of need and cost of college is important to you, that's when you can cross off your list. Mm -hmm. It also shows merit scholarships. So what percent of students who had no financial need also got merit scholarships and what was the average award amount? Okay, collegedata.com. Collegedata.com. So that can be a great starting point. If you feel really strongly about specific schools and you want to get a better sense of what these schools would actually cost you, every college is required to have on its website a tool called a net price calculator. And with a net price calculator, you punch in your financial information and sometimes your academic information, and it will tell you what students like you are currently paying to attend that college. So when my daughter was looking at colleges, we used college data and net price calculators to just cross schools off her list because it costs about $100 per school to apply to schools. So there's no point in spending either the time or the money to apply to colleges that you would never accept admission at because they'd be outside of your family's budget. And in her case, like there was one school that she was interested in that the net price calculator came in outside of our budget. And she went back and looked at what additional scholarships were available that she could apply for there. And she found several that she was eligible for that if she got one of them, that college would fit our budget. And so we said, okay, you can apply, you know, you can apply there. But, you know, the rule for her is that every college she applied to had to have a pathway for her to get out, you know, for her to get educated there within our budget. Yeah. And I will also say, you know, for those of you who are like, But all these expensive colleges, the most expensive colleges tend to be the most generous. So she attends the world's most expensive college, and it was her second cheapest choice of all the colleges that she was accepted to. Oh, my gosh. I have to ask, what is the world's most expensive college? University of Chicago. Oh, Hmm. I don't know anything about it, but great. That's crazy. And it because of all the extra things that she was able to apply for and maintain over the course of her four years. Yeah, because they're very generous with financial aid. They also, you know, a big part of it too, is what do colleges actually include in their cost of attendance? And so Mm -hmm. they feel like, you know, we want to make sure that anyone we admit here will seize the big picture. Yeah. So that's their whole thing is we want to have a really low admittance rate. And part of the way we do that is making sure that we give people no reason to say no. And so, for example, they include the cost of health insurance in cost of attendance. If something isn't included in cost of attendance, then the school can't offer a scholarship for it. Mm. And so in the interest of attracting a diverse student body, they will cover the cost of health insurance You know, for students who enroll and have need. If you already have health insurance, well, good news, your cost just went down $5,000. Wow. And I have so many questions that I didn't even ask. There's so much here. And, you know, listeners, we've mentioned Anne's book. It is just a rock solid packed resource to continue this conversation. And so many more pieces to this puzzle is included in her book. So I would encourage, I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes for this. I'm going to have to have you back on so we can talk about 529 plans And that we can talk about, you know, those of us that maybe now they relate to the game in the saving and now we're faced with, oh God, what do we do? So we're going to have to carry on this conversation, Anne. But for today, for today, because our time is running out, is there anything else you want to make sure that listeners really take away from this conversation that we've had today? Well, I think the most important thing to remember about planning for college, it's equal parts financial planning and parenting. And you can come up with a great plan. You can have saved lots and lots of money. But if you aren't doing the parenting work of having these conversations with your kid, it could all be for naught. So it's really important to include both pieces of that. I would also say, you know, the parent side of me, the years go by really fast And senior year of high school is a really special time. You know, all those lasts that you have, if anything that you can do before you get there to lessen the workload of senior year, that just gives you and your student so much more opportunity to be present for that time in their life. Mm, Yeah, thank you. Thank you. 
And the final question that I ask all of my guests, and I'm going to ask you is, what does joyful courage mean to you, especially in the context of, I mean, I'm thinking as soon as you said time goes by fast and senior year, there's so many lasts. And for me, senior year is the year before the empty nest, right? For us and our family, Mm -hmm. I got a little emotional. So yeah, as, as our kids launch into possibility and, you know, this opportunity to be on their own and be in college and we get to witness and hold space for it. What does joyful courage mean to you? You know, there's so many ways to answer that question. I'm going to answer it in the context of the conversation that we just had. To me, joyful courage is keeping doors open, Mm. you know, doing the things that you can to ensure that you will have more opportunities in the future. So when it comes to college, it means making good choices that don't saddle your kid with too much debt because that doesn't keep doors open. Mm. When it comes to life, it means building relationships. It means, you know, as you're thinking about college, how am I going to engage there? How am I going to make friends? How am I going to get, you know, everything out of this experience that I can? And it's the little things. It's showing up. It's saying please and thank you. It's, you know, acknowledging the people who've supported you along the way it's giving back. So to me, joyful courage is keeping the doors open. Mm, Thank you. Where can people find you and follow your work? My website is howtopayforcollege.com. And then I'm also on Facebook and Instagram as the College Financial Lady. And of course, my book, How to Pay for College is available from Amazon, bookshop.org, you know, bookstores, bookstores everywhere. Yes. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. And this was super useful. I appreciate you. Oh, Casey, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Thank you so much for listening in today. Thank you to my Sproutable partners, as well as Chris Mann and the team at Podshaper for all the support with getting this show out there and making it sound good. Check out our offers for parents with kids of all ages and sign up for our newsletter to stay connected at besproutable.com. Tune back in later this week for our Thursday show, and I'll be back with another interview next Monday. Peace. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.